Today is the 14th of August, 2019. Welcome to Walking the Way. My name is Ray. I want to say thank you to everyone for listening in as we continue to explore what it means to have a regular rhythm of worship together. And if you're joining us for the very first time, let me explain that each episode follows a really simple pattern of prayer, scripture, and music. So having explained how it all works, let's start today's leg of Walking the Way with our opening prayer. Let's pray, shall we? Father God, you bring us together in this place, and so we come to be fed, to be renewed, to seek understanding. Lord, you challenge us in this place, so we embrace the challenge, trusting that through challenge that we can grow in faith. God, you are revealed in this place, sometimes in shining glory, sometimes in tears and struggle. And Father, as we gather in this place to worship, refresh, renew, and challenge us so that we would see your awesomeness. We pray this in Jesus' name as we strive to walk the path of discipleship. Amen. We're going to have our first piece of music just to give us some time to center our thoughts on God. And then we're going to get into our Bible readings for today. And in today's Bible readings, we read about Elijah about how Elijah calls Elisha, and we read about how the Syrians begin to attack Israel. We'll see you on the other side.
Let's ask God to speak to us through the scriptures this morning. Father, we read history. We listen to the words that are being said, and sometimes we ask, what's the point? But Father, as we read about how nations have rebelled against you, remind us, Lord, that they are but a symptom of our own condition. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our Bible readings this week are taken from the Good News Translation, and we begin with 1 Kings 19. King Ahab told his wife Jezebel everything that Elijah had done, and how he had put all the prophets of Baal to death. She sent a message to Elijah, May the gods strike me dead, if by this time tomorrow I don't do the same thing to you as you did to the prophets. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He took his servant and went to Beersheba in Judah. Leaving the servant there, Elijah walked a whole day into the wilderness. He stopped and sat down in the shade of a tree and wished he would die. It's too much, Lord, he prayed. Take away my life. I might as well be dead. He lay down under the tree and fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said, Wake up and eat. He looked around and saw a loaf of bread and a jar of water near his head. He ate and drank and lay down again. The Lord's angel returned and woke him up a second time, saying, Get up and eat, or the trip will be too much for you. Elijah got up, ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to walk forty days to Sinai, the holy mountain. There he went into a cave to spend the night. Suddenly the Lord spoke to him, Elijah, what are you doing here? He answered, Lord God Almighty, I have always served you and you alone. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed all your prophets. I am the only one left, and they are trying to kill me. Go out and stand before me on the top of the mountain, the Lord said to him. Then the Lord passed by and sent a furious wind that split the hills and shattered the rocks. But the Lord was not in the wind. The wind stopped blowing, and then there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire there was the soft whisper of a voice. When Elijah heard it, he covered his face with his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. A voice said to him, Elijah, what are you doing here? He answered, Lord God Almighty, I have always served you. You alone, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you torn down your altars and killed all your prophets. I am the only one left, and they are trying to kill me. The Lord said, Return to the wilderness near Damascus. Then enter the city, and anoint Haziel as king of Syria. Anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meolah, to succeed you as prophet. Anyone who escapes from being put to death by Haziel will be killed by Jehu and anyone who escapes from Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will leave 7,000 people alive in Israel, all of those who are loyal to me and have not bound to Baal or kissed his idol. Elijah left and found Elisha plowing with a team of oxen. There were 11 teams ahead of him, and he was plowing with the last one. Elijah took off his cloak and put it on Elisha. Elisha then left his oxen, ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my mother and father goodbye, and then I will go with you. 
Elijah answered, All right, go back. I'm not stopping you. Then Elisha went to his team of oxen, killed them and cooked the meat, using the yoke as fuel for the fire. He gave the meat to the people and they ate it. Then he went and followed Elijah as his helper. King Ben-Hadad of Syria gathered all his troops, and supported by thirty-two other rulers with their horses and chariots, he marched up, laid siege to Samaria, and launched attacks against it. He sent messengers into the city of King Ahab of Israel to say, King Ben-Hadad demands that you surrender to him your silver and gold, your women and the strongest of your children. Tell my lord, King Ben-Hadad, that I agree. He can have me and everything I own, Ahab answered. Later the messengers came back to Ahab with another demand from Ben-Hadad. I sent you word that you were to hand over to me your silver and gold, your women and your children. Now, however, I will send my officers to search your palace and the homes of your officials and to take everything they consider valuable. They will be there about this time tomorrow. King Ahab called in all the leaders of the country and said, You see that this man wants to ruin us. He sent me a message demanding my wives and children, my silver and gold, and I agreed. The leaders and the people answered, Don't pay any attention to him. Don't give in. So Ahab replied to Ben-Hadad's messengers, Tell my lord the king that I agreed to his first demand, but I cannot agree to his second. The messengers left and returned with another message from Ben-Hadad. I will bring enough men to destroy the city of yours and carry off the rubble in their hands. May the gods strike me dead if I don't. King Ahab answered, Tell King Ben-Hadad that a real soldier does his bragging after a battle, not before it. Ben-Hadad received Ahab's answer as he and his allies, the other rulers, were drinking in their tents. He ordered his men to get ready to attack the city, and so they moved into position. Meanwhile, a prophet went to King Ahab and said, The Lord says, Don't be afraid of that huge army. I will give you victory over it today, and you will know that I am Lord. Who will lead the attack? Ahab asked. The prophet answered, The Lord says that the young soldiers under the command of the district governors are to do it. Who will command the main force? The king asked. You, the prophet answered. So the king called out the young soldiers who were under the district commanders, 232 in all. Then he called the Israelite army, a total of 7,000 men. The attack began at noon, as Ben-Hadad and his 32 allies were getting drunk in their tents. The young soldiers advanced first. Scouts sent out by Ben-Hadad reported to him that a group of soldiers were coming out of Samaria. He ordered, Take them alive, no matter whether they are coming to fight or to ask for peace. The young soldiers led the attack, followed by the Israelite army, and each one killed the man he fought. The Syrians fled with the Israelites in hot pursuit, but Ben-Hadad escaped on horseback, accompanied by some of the cavalry. King Ahab took the field, captured the horses and chariots, and inflicted a severe defeat on on the Syrians. Then the prophet went to King Ahab and said, Go back, build up your forces, and make careful plans, because the king of Syria will attack again next spring. King Ben-Hadad's officials said to him, The gods of Israel are mountain gods, and that is why the Israelites defeated us. But we will certainly defeat them if we fight them in the plains. Now remove the thirty-two rulers from from their commands and replace them with field commanders. 
then call up an army as large as the one that deserted you, with the same number of horses and chariots. We will fight the Israelites in the plains, and this time we will defeat them. King Ben-Hadad agreed and followed their advice. The following spring he called up his men and marched with them to the city of Aphek to attack the Israelites. The Israelites were called up and equipped. They marched out and camped in two groups facing the Syrians. The Israelites looked like two small flocks of goats compared to the Syrians who spread out over the countryside. A prophet went to King Ahab and said, This is what the Lord says. Because the Syrians say that I am a god of the hills and not of the plains, I will give you victory over their huge army, and you and your people will know that I am the Lord. For seven days the Syrians and the Israelites stayed in their camp facing each other. On the seventh day they started fighting, and the Israelites killed a hundred thousand Syrians. The survivors fled into the city of Aphek, where the city walls fell on twenty-seven thousand of them. Ben-Hadad also escaped into the city and took refuge in the back room of a house. His officials went to him and said, We have heard that the Israelite kings are merciful. Give us permission to go to the king of Israel with sackcloths around our waist and ropes around our necks, and maybe he will spare your life. So they wrapped sackcloth around their waist and ropes around their necks and went to Ahab and said, Your servant Ben-Hadad pleads with you for his life. Ahab answered, Is he still alive? Good. He's like a brother to me. Ben-Hadad's officials were watching for a good sign, and when Ahab said brother, they took it up at once and said, As you say, Ben-Hadad is your brother. Bring him to me, Ahab ordered. When Ben-Hadad arrived, Ahab invited him to get in the chariot with him. Ben-Hadad said to him, I will restore to you the towns my father took from your father and you may set up a commercial center for yourself in Damascus, just as my father did in Samaria. Ahab replied, On these terms, then I will set you free. He made a treaty with him and let him go. At the Lord's command, a member of a group of prophets ordered a fellow prophet to hit him, but he refused, so he said to him, Because you have disobeyed the Lord's command, a lion will kill you as soon as you leave me. As soon as he left, a lion came along and killed him. Then the same prophet went to another man and said, Hit me. This man did so. He hit him a hard blow and hurt him. The prophet bandaged his face with a cloth to disguise himself and went and stood by the road, waiting for the king of Israel to pass. As the king was passing by, the prophet called out to him and said, Your majesty, I was fighting in the battle when a soldier brought a captured enemy to me and said, Guard this man. If he escapes, you will pay for it with your life, or else pay a fine of three thousand pieces of silver. But I got busy with another thing, and the man escaped. The king answered, You have pronounced your own sentence, and you will have to pay the penalty. The prophet tore the cloth from his face, and at once the king recognized him as one of the prophets. The Lord then said to the king, This is the word of the Lord. Because you allowed this man to escape, whom I had ordered to be killed, you will pay for it with your life and your army will be destroyed for letting his army escape. The king went back to Samaria, worried and depressed. Near King Ahab's palace in Jezreel, there was a vineyard owned by a man named Noboth. One day Ahab said to Noboth, Let me have your vineyard. It's close to my palace, and I want to use the land for a vegetable garden. I will give you a better vineyard for it, or, if you prefer, I will pay you a fair price. 
I inherited this vineyard from my ancestors, Naboth replied. The Lord forbid that I should let you have it. Ahab went home, depressed and angry over what Naboth had said to him. He lay down in his bed facing the wall and would not eat. His wife Jezebel went to him and asked, Why are you so depressed? Why won't you eat? He answered, Because of what Naboth said to me. I offered to buy his vineyard, or if he preferred to give him another one for it, but he told me I couldn't have it. Well, are you the king or aren't you? Jezebel replied. Get out of bed, cheer up, and eat. I will get you Naboth's vineyard. Then she wrote some letters, signed Ahab's name to them, sealed them with his seal, and sent them to the officials and leading citizens of Jezreel. The letters said, Proclaim a day of fasting, call the people together, and give Naboth the place of honor. Get a couple of scoundrels to accuse him to his face of cursing God and the king. Then take him out of the city and stone him to death. The officials and leading citizens of Jezreel did what Jezebel had commanded. They proclaimed a day of fasting, called the people together and gave Naboth the place of honor. The two scoundrels publicly accused him of cursing God and the king, and so he was taken outside the city and stoned to death. The message was sent to Jezebel. Naboth has been put to death. As soon as Jezebel received the message, she said to Ahab, Naboth is dead. Now go and take possession of the vineyard which he refused to sell to you. At once Ahab went to the vineyard and took possession of it. Then the Lord said to Elijah, the prophet from Tishba, Go to King Ahab of Samaria. You will find him in Naboth's vineyard about to take possession of it. Tell him that I, the Lord, say to him, After murdering the man, are you taking over his property as well? Tell him that this is what I say. In the very place the dogs licked up Naboth's blood, they will lick up your blood. When Ahab saw Elijah, he said, Have you caught up with me, my enemy? I have, Elijah answered. You have devoted yourself completely to doing what is wrong in the Lord's sight, so the Lord says to you, I will bring disaster on you. I will do away with you and get rid of every male in your family, young and old alike. Your family will become like the family of King Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and like the family of King Basha, son of Ahijah, because you have stirred up my anger by leading Israel to sin. And concerning Jezebel, the Lord says the dogs will eat her body in the city of Jezreel. Any of your relatives who die in the city will be eaten by dogs, and any who die in the open country will be eaten by vultures. There was no one else who had devoted himself so completely to doing wrong in the Lord's sight as Ahab, all at the urging of his wife Jezebel. He committed the most shameful sins by worshipping idols as the Amorites had done, whom the Lord had driven out of the land as the people of Israel advanced. When Elijah finished speaking, Ahab tore his clothes, took them off and put on sackcloth. He refused food, slept in sackcloth and went about gloomy and depressed. The Lord said to prophet Elijah, Have you noticed how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Since he has done this, I will not bring disaster on him during his lifetime. It will be during his son's lifetime that I will bring disaster on Ahab's family. 2 Chronicles 17 Jehoshaphat succeeded his father Asa as king and strengthened his position across Israel. He stationed troops in the fortified cities of Judah, in the Judean countryside, and in the cities which Asa had captured from the territory of Ephraim. The Lord blessed Jehoshaphat because he followed the example of his father's early life and did not worship Baal. He served his father's God, obeyed God's commands, 
and did not act the way the kings of Israel did. The Lord gave Jehoshaphat firm control over the kingdom of Judah, and all the people brought him gifts that he became mighty and highly honored. He took pride in serving the Lord and destroyed all the pagan places of worship and the symbols of the goddess Asherah in Judah. In the third year of his reign, he sent out the following officials to teach in the cities of Judah. Ben-Hael, Obadiah, Zechariah, Nethanel, and Micaiah. They were accompanied by nine Levites and two priests. The Levites were Shemaiah, Nethaniah, Zebediah, Asahel, Shemiramoth, Jehonathan, Adonijah, Tobijah, and Tobadonijah, and the priests were Elishama and Jehoram. They took the book of the law from the Lord and went through all the towns of Judah teaching it to the people. The Lord made all the surrounding territories afraid to go to war against King Jehoshaphat. Some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat large amount of silver and other gifts, and some Arabs brought him 7,700 sheep and 7,700 goats. So Jehoshaphat continued to grow more and more powerful. Throughout Judah he built fortifications and cities, where the supplies were stored in huge amounts. In Jerusalem he stationed outstanding officers, according to their clans. Adna was the commander of the troops from the clans of Judah, and he had 300,000 soldiers under him. Second in rank was Jehoiannan, with 280,000 soldiers, and third was Amasiah, son of Zikri, with 200,000. Amasiah had volunteered to serve the Lord. The commander of the troops from the clans of Benjamin was Aliada, an outstanding soldier in command of 200,000 men armed with shields and bows. His second in command was Jehozabad, with 180,000 men, well equipped for battle. These soldiers served the king in Jerusalem, and in addition he stationed others in the other fortified cities in Judah. Psalm 61 Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. In despair and far from home I call to you. Take me to a safe refuge, for you are my protector, my strong defense against my enemies. Let me live in your sanctuary all my life. Let me find safety under your wings. You have heard my promises, O God, and you have given me what belongs to those who honor you. Add many years to the king's life that he may live on and on. May he rule forever in your presence, O God. Protect him in your constant love and faithfulness. So I will always sing praises to you as I offer you daily what I have promised. We're going to have our second piece of music to give us some time to think about the bits of scripture that have caught our attention. And after the music, we'll say our prayers for the day and the time of the year.
before we say our prayers for the day and the time of the year, just a reminder that if you'd like us to pray with you, then drop us a line through the usual channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, email. Check the show notes for all the contact details. There are a link there. Sorry, I'll say that again. There are links there that you can click and it'll take you to wherever you need to go. But let's pray, shall we? Will you, God, live on this small planet Earth? Look, heaven and earth cannot contain you, much less this house of prayer which we have built and cherished. You say, raise the stone and you shall find me. Cleave the wood and I am there. There is no God like you, God of Jesus, neither on earth nor elsewhere in the whole universe. A God who keeps every promise and shows unswerving love to your servants, who with all their hearts walk in your ways. So blessed are you, our Creator and Redeemer. In Him we live and move and have our being. Amen. And our prayer for the time of the year. Ever-present God, you walk with us through good times and bad. Mountain top and valley deep, your footsteps our guide, hands our support. Ever-present God, you are close to us when life is smooth or rough. In wholeness and brokenness, your healing our hope, your touch our desire. Ever-present God, bring comfort and peace and the warmth of your presence, and I shall fear no thing for you are with me, always. Amen. And we say together the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us and remain with us now and forevermore. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.